Hello and welcome to the latest instalment of the Berlin Podcast. Today we're celebrating the launch of the new edition of the Pocket Guide to Whiskey by Blair Bowman and Mickey Welch. This unique, fun and easy-to-use guide helps budding whiskey enthusiasts find the ideal whiskey for every occasion. Here are Nikki and Blair to tell us more. Well, hi Blair, how are you? I'm fine, how are you Nikki? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's been a while, we're used to seeing each other a lot and lockdown yeah. has kept us apart. But we've had a lot of Zoom and we've had some cocktail hours on Zoom. We um, and now we're chatting about whiskey on Zoom. Absolutely, so. favourite thing. Um, so we're here because the Pocket Guide to Whiskey, featuring the Whiskey Tube map, is just about to um, go live in its new edition, which is very exciting. And we have been asked by Berlin to have a little chat about where the book came from and what's so cool about the new edition. So mm-hmm. um, how would you describe the book and the Whiskey Tube map to people? Yeah, it's, so I'd, I'd describe it It's essentially a flavour map. And if someone imagines a tube map or an underground map of a city, but it's a completely made up city, every line on the map is a type of flavour or a flavour profile. And every station along each line is a distillery or a type of whiskey. So it's a map purely based on flavour, not at all on geography. So you might see whiskies or distilleries that you recognise that in the real world are nowhere near each other. But in terms of our flavour map that we've created, we think they're maybe similar in flavour, so they're nearby one another. That's kind of how I would describe it to people. Yeah, and you know, for me, the really important thing is um, people sometimes they fall in love with a whiskey or they get kind of stuck on a whiskey because they know they like it, and it's a way of just sort of pushing the boundaries of your taste and your preferences with a bit of um, reassurance that what you're going to try isn't a million miles away from, yeah, from what you Yeah, because there's like. so many choices of, of whiskey and there's so many flavours available to try and not everything suits everybody's tastes. And it's, it is really intimidating when you, well, before lockdown, when you walk into a whiskey bar, mm-hmm. you could see, you know, hundreds and hundreds of whiskey bottles on shelves of bars now, which is great to see. But if you don't know where to go or what you kind of like, then you don't know where to go next. So you might always just order the thing that you always drink because you know you like it and you know it's safe and it suits your budget and taste and everything and that's fine and it's nice to have things that you like and enjoy but it's also quite fun to try something new that's similar but not so far out of your comfort zone you're not going to enjoy that. Definitely. So that's the whole point of the map. Yeah um, um, I mean what we've taken the Whiskey Tube map to whiskey festivals um, to Lots of tastings that you run and that I run, we've run pop-up bars, and what people consistently say is it is reassuring to have a map of the territory. Mm -hmm. And we've met people who are just into whiskey who found it really useful, but we've also met people who've clearly sampled their fair share of whiskey and they still enjoy that idea of discovering more and exploring more. Yeah, or they may have, you know, discounted a certain brand or distillery because they thought they didn't like it, but actually that was just a, you know, preconception. They've realised that it's really similar to their other favourites. So it's been really nice that it has helped people across the board that are new to whiskey and, you know, whiskey kind of buffs as well. Yeah, and I mean, I, I now, if I'm choosing a whiskey for an occasion or to make a cocktail or something, I think, well, what line of whiskeys do I need or do I want for this? And that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's a good starting point to think, what mood am I in? Yeah. Am I feeling decadent? 
<laughs> am I feeling intrepid? Yeah. So these yeah. are these are the names of some of the lines, and yeah. we deliberately didn't name them after the flavors because I think everybody has sometimes has a different interpretation of the actual kind of flavor names and. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love looking at it and going, oh, yeah, this is a decadent, decadent, this is the... Yeah, well, I'm feeling like an easy, mm -hmm. an easy loop whiskey today. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. But it, it felt like the right time for a refresh. And I guess just to add to what we've just been saying about the map, the book is like a companion to the map. So it's a, mm -hmm. it's really nice to be able to then describe each station in a bit more detail and to give some more context for the for the whiskies and that's really where the new edition comes into its own so you're obviously in the whiskey world a mm. lot so what how would you describe where we are now in the world and why it needs a new refreshed version of the pocket guide yeah so the the first edition came out in 2017 so three years ago, and actually, as many people may or may not know, it takes at least three years to make whiskey um, before you're allowed to bottle it as Scotch whiskey anyway. So three years ago, there was a lot of distilleries just starting up or just setting up or kind of just coming to market and saying, we're making our own whiskey now, but they were kind of waiting. But now that we kind of fast forward to today, three years later, quite a few of these distilleries have now released three-year-old products. Um, and there's a lot more coming in the pipeline that I've said they're not ready to release it as a three-year-old, but they're going to be coming kind of in the near future. So we felt that now was a good time to kind of just showcase and highlight these exciting things that have been going on in the world of whiskey, and especially this kind of new era, as we've called it, of Scotch whiskey distilleries that are popping up kind of all across the country here. And that's really because of this, the, the change that was made in the um, in legislation that allowed... Uh, smaller stills, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. So what's really exciting is it's the additions, the new additions are often really small, interesting. Um, and they're having to, they've got a different kind of business model that their business model is to release a three-year-old product or a much younger product anyway. So they're choosing different ways of doing their spirit, but they're also using interesting casks, you know, sometimes much smaller casks so that it can mature a lot more rapidly. So it's just, it's really interesting to see how these new businesses have, have popped up and they're, you know, very successful already, you know, with having quite a lot of them making gin, which is very popular still, um, but they've now got a kind of brand and route to market and they're starting to, you know, introduce their whiskies as well now. So it's just a really exciting time. Yeah. And one of the things that I always find really exciting and heartwarming about this phase of new whiskies and like you say, the new era is that. There's a really traditional part of it, which is a lot of the distilleries are bringing jobs and sort of a dy dynamism back to the community. So they're not made by big conglomerates that don't have a connection with the place. They're, they're being built as a way of bringing Yeah, a lot of them are built around the community. And, yeah. You know, and bringing people back to an island or back to an area that, you know, a lot of people were, you know, born and brought up, but then immediately moved off to the mainland or off to the big cities. But there's now a really strong reason and pool to come back and be proud of where they're from. And, you know, these people will make amazing ambassadors for these products by, you know, having a real connection to that place where it's made. I think there's something really, really special about that. Yeah, and that a distillery needs almost every type of um, kind of, professional discipline doesn't it we were we were talking the other day about the um some of the photographs that are coming off of um mm. like isle of Rasse 
and yeah. you know they need photographers, marketeers, they need um, people to to show visitors around the distillery, and it really is creating that culture that whiskey yeah. always had, actually. So it's very exciting. Um, mm-hmm. But we haven't actually changed the map this time. We had some mm-hmm. discussion, didn't we? We, yeah. were, we were on the brink of, should we include some of these distilleries onto the map? But it just feels like it's too soon. It's just a little bit too early, yeah. But definitely, I think, in future editions, having some you know new stops or stations that have closed or new extensions to certain flavour lines and stuff to come, I think will be quite exciting. Yeah, it, w- it will. But right now, as you were saying, some of the distilleries have just released their their first bottlings. Yeah. But it's hard It's hard for them to have a defined style. And, yeah. the whole and they're still doing these experiments yeah. to create a kind of core style or a core product anyway um, that will be their kind of main flagship product moving forward. And then once they have that, definitely we can look at adjusting the map. But the way that we've done it for now is we've included them in the additional whiskey index so you can see what line the, their current releases would be would be featured on and you can base it on that if you're looking for recommendations of the new whiskies. Yeah and do you think you know you said at the beginning there's not there's not that geographical connection and, and one of the reasons that we felt the map was the whiskey tube map was really pertinent was that distilleries now do tend to make more of a range of styles of whiskey or they can influence the style much more than mm-hmm. just their geography would suggest. Do you think that's that's even more relevant now in that the distilleries yeah, are making I, whiskies that they want to make rather than... Yeah, they're making whiskies that they want to make, but also giving something for anyone that comes to them or wants to buy their products. So there'll be something to suit everyone's tastes. So, I mean, almost all of them, off the top of my head, are making both peated and unpeated types of spirit which was quite quite an unusual thing. But, I mean, a lot of the big distilleries are now doing a few weeks of every year where they're making a peated whiskey, if they don't normally, just because there's a strong demand and appetite for this. Whereas a lot of these new distilleries, it's just part of their plan, was always to have at least two different types of spirit, if not other more interesting types, triple distillations. And there's all these interesting variables that they can create themselves. And they can be much, you know, faster and, you know, um, flexible at trying these things to see if they work, getting a product out, you know, within three years um, and then seeing what works. So it just gives a lot more flexibility, but it means that for consumers, there's something, you know, for, for everyone when they come to try that specific distillery. It's funny, isn't it? Because you just described it like it's really agile, but we're still talking about such a long time between... <laughs> yeah, the beginning and it being allowed to be, be called whiskey. So, but I mean, there's such an appetite and demand for these new distilleries that so a lot of them are now are releasing unaged or you know aging spirit. So they're not allowed to call it whiskey yet, but they're allowed to call it new make spirit or spirit drink, and they're basically showing off what's coming soon to get people excited. So you know they're doing special small releases of bottles to show all the different types of casks they're using, or explaining that these are the kind of things that we're going to make in the future but at the moment it's only let's say two years old but it gives people an impression of what's to come and um, so then when they do have their three-year or older product then people already know what to expect yeah and that's something that really wasn't a thing you know before this new wave of distilleries and that's also potentially going to be where we add some different stations onto the map because we've already got things like um sherry wood as a station mm-hmm. um 
and portwood and things like that. So we'll be looking about whether there are other styles that are not distillery specific that people will mm-hmm. then be able to explore all of the whiskies that are doing a rum finish or yeah yeah it's it's really interesting times isn't it and mm-hmm. we're keeping a close eye on it but we hope that this this version will just give people even just a bit more context in terms of what's coming up and what to look out for mm-hmm. so what 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 do you think we're going to be doing? Because we've obviously done all sorts of pop-up bars and we've, we've done whiskey and grilled cheese matching. We've done whiskey and beer, half and halves. So we need, we need to keep innovating around how we serve our whiskey as well, don't we? Yeah, and I, I just think we've had a lot of fun with the pop-up events that we've done. We've, we've been bringing whiskey to a new audience, you know, people who wouldn't necessarily go into a whiskey bar and might come to one of our pop-up events to try, yeah, whiskey match with grilled cheese or whiskey hard shakes or, you know, it's just, there's so many fun things that can be done with whiskey that because of the flavour versatility, you can actually be quite fun. You, you know, something we've not done is like a tiki themed or like tropical themed yeah. kind of event. And there's lots of lovely whiskies that have that real kind of tropical kind of style to them. So there's, a, there's just so many variables within the flavours, which then you can taken weird and wonderful ways when kind of creating interesting ways of serving it or bringing it to interesting people. I'm not, I've not told you yet, but I've just got a new toy, which is a, a smoking uh, device. So I can smoke different drinks <laughs> with different wood types. Um, yeah. So maybe there's an idea for something there where, we, you know, basically by changing the wood in the smoker, you can, can change the experience of the drink. Yeah. So there's just there's a huge number of options yeah. uh, that you can you can do with whiskey because of the range of flavors. Yeah, and, and I found it really interesting exploring um, tea and whiskey combinations. Mm, so yeah. I seem to be doing more and more with either kind of syrups that I'm making from something like Earl mm-hmm. Grey or just longer drinks, but not fizzy, which seems to again yeah. be much more of a trend that you can have a long still drink and the whiskey just, you know, one adds a bit of fun, but two, mm-hmm. as you say, those flavor profiles just give it a really grown up elegance to, to it. And there's a nice crossover with tea, with blending and single origin. And I mean, the flavor ranges in tea are huge as well. So it's a lot of fun. Maybe that's the next one, tea and Tea and whiskey. whiskey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> whiskey from teapots. It'll be very um, That'd be good. prohibition yeah. <laughs> style. Yeah. Well, look, I think that's all we've got time for, but it's mm-hmm. been lovely to catch up um, yeah. and tell people a bit about the new edition of the Pocket Guide to Whiskey and hope they enjoy it as much as we enjoyed re-exploring it. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. The Pocket Guide to Whiskey by Blair Bowman and Nikki Welch is published today by Berlin. It's available in paperback, priced at $8.99, in all good bookshops and online at www.berlin.co.uk.